You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster along with Jason Beck, our MLB.com Tigers reporter. And obviously the Tigers are in a position here at the winter meetings in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, that they haven't been in in a long time. Um, It's a rebuild situation, but what a cool way to start these winter meetings. On Sunday night, we found out that Jack Morris and Alan Trammell, thanks to the Modern Era Committee, heading to the Hall of Fame uh, this summer. And it's two guys that have waited a long time. It's two guys that played together I'm just just being in Detroit, knowing the history of these guys. How cool is it to see this for the city? Oh, it's absolutely huge. I, I think people, if you're not from Detroit, I think it's hard to realize just the significance of this because as great as that 1984 team was that won the World Series title, there was nobody, no player from that team had gotten into the Hall of Fame. And it was something that stuck in the craw of a lot of Tigers fans over the years, and there was a lot of resentment that nobody had even come close. I mean, I guess Jack came close right. the last couple of years, but that nobody had gotten in. So in a lot of ways, I think this feels like vindication for a lot of people. I think a lot of Tigers fans would still like to see Lou Whitaker get in, but I think to have Trammell in for his contributions after years of debate, well, you know, what makes him any different than Ozzy Smith? What makes him any different than... Barry Larkin, Cal Ripken, other shortstops of that era. I think a lot of people in Michigan, a lot of Tigers fans nationwide feels feel like this is writing what had been a wrong on the writer's ballot. And I, I think a lot of writers who had voted for him over the years are, are pretty happy about it as well. Jack Morris winning his picture in the 1980s. I think there's a lot of support for him too. I think a lot of people felt like he was eventually going to get in, given the level of support that he had. I think Trammell was the bigger question because he'd never gotten over 50% right. on the writer's ballot. And because I think the sentiment for Tram is not just about his playing career, but, but he did spend, you know, to spend that long with one franchise. You might not see that again. You, you really might not. And it's it just, even after his playing career was done, he managed the Tigers for a few years. He came back as a special assistant. He bounces around the minor leagues now at age 59, teaching and instructing, trying to teach the game to younger players, not because he needs to work, but because right. it's what he loves to do. And I think there's so much appreciation for that with him that in some ways this feels like a just reward for him for a lifetime in baseball. Jack Morris works for us at MLB.com. So we had... Um very neat access to the whole scenario and cool moment was after Jack went on his conference call, before Trammell got on his conference call, they were able to talk over the phone and these are two guys that, I guess Jack had the line, I gotta make sure he's in my phone still, I haven't talked to him in a while, but then um, from Jack's standpoint, he got emotional when he found out, because he knew he was in, but he had to wait for the announcement to find out that Trammell was in, and he got emotional when he found out, to the point where it was almost like he was happier to see Trammell get in than he was for himself. It was really cool to see, and, and I think that kind of, 
love fest, so to speak, is going to continue right into the summer, and it's going to make for a neat weekend in Cooperstown. I can't wait to see how many people from Michigan make the trip over to Cooperstown, cross yeah. over through Ontario, cross the border at each end, and go over to enjoy a weekend because they haven't had, I mean, they haven't had an inductee since since Sparky. Yeah. They haven't had a player inducted since I believe, um, you know, 1992. And really, for for a lot of people, this will be the biggest induction since. Al Kaline went in, in, I believe, 1980. So, I mean, there are a lot of folks, a lot of young fans who have never been alive to see, you know, a Tigers player inducted as a Tiger. Granted, we had Pudge last year right. wearing, wearing a Rangers hat. So to have two players from the same team inducted, I know talking with a lot of their old teammates, a lot of them are going to try to make the trip up from points all over the country and I would suspect you're going to see a lot of Tigers fans even though it is a long drive try to make that track you're going to see a lot of old English D in, in Cooperstown and they'll come into July Alan Trammell, obviously a no-brainer. He's going to be wearing the old English D on his hat in Cooperstown. It's a little more interesting for Jack, and I don't think he's been asked officially about it yet, and I don't think he wants to be asked about it yet. Um, I'm sure today it'll come up at, at the press conference. Um, but the Tigers, obviously, he won in 84, and he was great for a long time. Then he goes to the Twins. That's his hometown team. He grew up in Minnesota, and he had the performance in Game 7 of the World Series there. Then he goes to Toronto, he wins two World Series, but he was less of a factor there. Um, we've seen players go in without a logo, which is a, an option, but how much do you think it matters to Tigers fans for him to decide on, on wearing the old English? Team? I actually think it does matter. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and I'll be curious to see if the fact that Trammell is going in with him right. influences that decision at all to want two guys wearing the same cab going at the same time and to celebrate the fact that two teammates from a team that really went under-recognized in the hall go in at, you know, wearing the same logo at, at the same time. Even, I suspect that'll be, a, that'll be a big deal for a lot of fans. And yeah. I, you know, probably a lot of their teammates as well. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and while his maybe his best performance was with the Twins, I think the bulk of his career and when he was at his best overall was definitely in Detroit. Um, and he gets a say, but they take, they've taken the final say, I guess, away from the players. Um, so at the end of the day, Cooperstown has overriding power. But I think they pretty much, in this situation, they would probably let him decide what he would prefer. We'll find out at some point, um, and, and I don't know if he'll, he'll announce it sooner or later, but it'll be interesting. Um, this summer, more other than Cooperstown, more to look forward to for Tigers fans as the numbers are going to be retired at some point. Um, I assume that's going to be together, right? They'll, they'll retire yeah, those um, numbers. Yeah, Chris Illich, who's essentially the owner yep. of the Tigers, he, he acts as the owner. He announced in a statement last night that they're going to have a, a – ceremony to retire the numbers in August. So they're going to wait for the ceremony in Cooperstown. And then shortly after that, they haven't announced a specific date yet, but they're selling a, a ticket package for it that they're going to have them go in. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all comes together. They're going to have to, I think, make some room on that brick wall beyond the outfield. Yeah. They're going to have to make some extra room to put those numbers in. And there's going to be debate over... Do you make statues for these guys? 
because the other Hall of Famers had statues. And I think a lot of people have already felt that even aside from the policy that, except for Willie Horton, Tigers have to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame to get their numbers retired. A lot of people felt like Tram has long deserved a statue in his honor, Tram and Lou Whitaker. So I'll be curious to see how and if plans formulate along those lines. But it, it's going to be a fun debate. And plus, nobody's worn Jack Morris's number since Jack Morris on the Tigers. Okay. That's something where you know the Tigers have a longtime clubhouse manager, Jim Schmakel, who kind of sees to that. Trammell's number three has actually been worn a couple of times over the years. Gary Sheffield Ward for a couple of years when he was a Tiger. And then Ian Kinsler took on number three when he came over because, you know, cause, yeah, he wanted to wear it. Um, for now, he is still a Tiger. I texted Kinsler last night. He doesn't know what the plan is. I think the Tigers have reached out to try to start the conversation, but nobody knows if it's going to be a moot point because of the trade market or if they're going to wait until August and have some sort of a handoff ceremony or what's going to come together. They're, they're probably going to have to play it by year. What a perfect transition into Ian Kinsler because uh, when you talk about rumors here at winter meetings, it's probably more about him and the Tigers than anyone. Uh, there are teams that need second baseman. The Mets are, are one of the teams that famously at this point needs a second baseman. Um, and Kinsler is one of those guys that when you look at the contract and you look at where he is, um, he seems to make sense. So do you think that's something that if you had to, if you were a betting man, is that something that, that will get done, that they'll move him? Or do you think they'd rather hang on? I think more likely than not, at some point this offseason, Kinsler yeah. will get moved. I think there's too many logical fits out there. And I think unlike last offseason, when they were looking at trade possibilities, the Tigers are so much further along in the rebuild. There's not a whole lot of compelling reasons for Kinsler to use his no-trade rights to stick around. I think he can and should use his no-trade rights to kind of steer which way, way he wants to go right. as far as a potential destination. You know, he certainly earned that with his contract. But last offseason, when they couldn't trade Kinzer, when they couldn't find what they wanted for J.D. Martinez, when there wasn't nearly the type of offers for Verlander that came about later, they decided to keep the gang together and make one more run at it. There's no one more run coming with this team, clearly. Right. They're too far down the road with the rebuild. So this, it's, it seems destined sooner or later to be some sort of deal coming down and to kind of accelerate this rebuild. Hopefully. One more thing I want to talk to you about. Rule 5 draft comes up on Thursday. The Tigers have the number one pick in that draft as well as the, the draft obviously coming up in the spring. Uh, they'll have to clear up some space on the 40-man before that. That could be, a kin who knows, a Kinsler trade or something like that. Uh, but there's value to be had in the Rule 5 draft. How seriously are the Tigers taking the prep for Thursday and to, to see what's out there that they could take? Oh, very seriously. They were reportedly meeting for a couple days last week, even before getting down to the winter meetings, to try to go over potential options and go over what areas they should try to address and where they could get the most value out of this. Because for a team in Detroit situation where – you're simultaneously trying to get younger, trying to get young talent, but also having to watch payroll. It just makes too much sense not to take this seriously and to try to get as much value in as many 
either innings or at bats as you can out of this. The last time the Tigers were in this situation was 2003, really, and they had three Rule 5 picks on that team. They drafted three, ended up cutting one of those guys loose, but then traded in spring training for another Rule 5 pick. So they had a bullpen. I think they were all pitchers yeah. that they carried that whole year. So three of their seven or eight relievers or whatever it was were Rule 5 guys, and they ended up getting some value long-term with Wilfredo Ledesma. So I, I think those are the type of guys you're looking to get. You're not going to, unless something crazy happens, you're not going to get star players out of Rule 5. What you're looking for are the types of guys who can stick around for a few years, who can plug holes, and can get you cost-effective talent considering really what is a, a minuscule investment. Right. And make, maybe you uh, strike gold and get lucky and somebody becomes a, a star player. Maybe you get Johan Santana. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. He was a rule five. Every guy. once in a while. All right. That is going to do it for MLB.com Extras. Our Tigers edition for Jason Beck. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.